Hi guys, welcome back. I'm super excited. I know it has been quite some time since I last recorded an episode, and I go back to check. Last time I uploaded in April, so it has been a long, long two months. But I'm super excited to be back, and I feel like, you know, this. Sabbatical kind of made me realize that I actually really enjoyed recording podcasts, and my mind has been going crazy without talking to the mic and talking to you guys for such a long time. So I'm super excited to be back to share my opinions and my thoughts with y'all. While you're probably thinking. It's going to be the boring discussion again, you know, about all those glass ceiling and gender biases and gender equality stuff. It's going to be the old discussion again. Nothing new, nothing interesting. Well, that's not really the case for this episode because I'm gonna discuss something that's more subtle, something that's not very obvious in the workplace, but actually faced by. Women every single day when they go to the office. So here are the top six things that I feel like women are struggling subtly in the workplace. Let's start from something that's less serious to something that's more important and more controversial or influential. Number one, wearing high heels. You might be thinking that oh, we're past the time where high heels is actually a thing. No one really cares if you're wearing high heels. Like we know that women suffer when they wear high heels. They don't like, you know, walking to the office for like ten minutes in heels. It hurts their ankle. It hurts their feet. It's so painful, etc. But it's still the case. You know, for some countries, people still view that wearing high heels is. Just a necessary thing for women to go to work because it's a sign of professionalism, and it's sort of ingrained in us if we think about the media, right? You know, all those professionals are often appearing in their very sleek, very expensive, luxurious high heels, which signifies and symbolizes their power and their ability. It's actually quite funny if you think about it, because it makes a female looks good. And to airlines, you know, air cadets they wear high heels, and you can say it's slightly controversial. Well, it fits their image and it look makes them look nice, but at the same time, it's not really good for their doing. And then we also have investment bankers and lawyers. Who are still wearing high heels because I don't really know why. Because it looks nice. It is sort of an expensive item to own, so it sort of tells that they are capable and they're earning a lot, maybe. But what female colleagues and their female workers for misconduct if they refuse to wear high heels? What this is ridiculous, right? And what are countries that allow this backward policy? We have Japan. Okay, maybe they're slightly conservative, and we have Israel and United Kingdom. What? That's that's crazy. Like you can't imagine such a progressive society like the UK are still forcing female to wear 
heels. I'm sure it goes without saying why wearing heels is so, so difficult for female. Imagine walking to work and back home in a pair of shoes that are not designed for you to walk for such a long time. You know, perhaps heels are invented for the royal family and nobles and rich people to attend ballroom events and to walk the red carpet, but not to work. You know, the pair of shoes that you need to labor in to hustle in—that's just ridiculous. They're uncomfortable, and they're just designed to look good. And human physiology is not designed for a person to be walking on their toes twenty-four-seven, right? But then somehow, if not explicitly stated or enforced, a lot of the jobs for women are still asking them, or is still the norm for them to wear high heels to work. I mean, you can argue that. It's not necessary for you to go to work in heels, but you just want to because it looks nice on you, okay? So it's not our problem. It's not on the company. It's not on the employer. But it's just you subtly, deep down in your heart, has the desire to go to work in your pretty heels. So don't blame societal trends or social norms. For that, because it's just your preference. Sometimes that's true, but also, if a pair of heels makes you more professional, it makes you looks more put together, and appears nicer in front of a client, would you do that? You probably would, right? Because you still want to climb up that social corporate ladder, and you do whatever it takes to get there, even if it means that hurting your feet. So is it wrong for us to wear heels because we want to climb the corporate ladder and wants to make ourselves look more professional? No. Well, I know it's not your fault that society's thinking this, but it's kind of your fault because you are also agreeing to it and you are still succumbing to this bias. And apart from looking cute and looking professional, why are heels high? And this. Leads me to the second point about height. Again, it's an inherent thing. It's human physiology, but still, men are taller than women, and somehow, taller people command more respect and are able to earn more than people who are short. So, since men are generally taller than women, men. Are generally more able to earn more money and gain more respect at work. Well, it's not me BSing, but there are actually research done to prove that. The research at the University of Florida and University of North Carolina they found that taller people tend to earn more and win more respect at work, and the height advantage is. Still valid even in jobs that being tall is not a prerequisite or a qualification. In other words, they don't just looked at professional basketball players, but all the types of work. And why is that the case? Why do we think that people who are tall 
are more respectable, and we should listen to them more than people who are short. I guess the straightforward explanation is that we think people who are tall are more mature because you know kids, little kids, they are usually short and they are shorter than us. So we consider people who are short to infants, babies, and toddlers. But for people who are tall, we think that they are adults. They are people who are more mature than us. It's probably ingrained in us because when we are children, when we are kids, we consider people who are taller than us guardians, our parents, our teachers, which are obviously they are taller than us when we're a child. And people who are younger than us are people who are shorter. So that's the correlation and. It's ingrained in us because it has been true for at least you know ten years of our life since we were born, and it could also be somewhat related to genetics because thousands of years ago we rely on tall people or people who are physically larger to protect us in the forest when we're hunting when our ancestors are still struggling. To have their biological and physical safety, they require or they look up to people who are able to protect them against their enemies, animals, or they're more physically capable to hunt things. So, we generally required to look up to those people, and therefore, in the workplace, we somehow still get this genetic bias that people who are taller are generally. Deserving more respect. Well, okay. Apart from physical appearance, let's talk about something that's not visible but still related to our senses. Okay. This time, sound. Your voice. Are females' voices damaging their career? Studies show that lower-voiced individuals tend to take up leadership roles. In the workplace and community situations, than individuals with higher voice. So, congrats to folks with deeper voice. Yes, again, male and again, female with higher pitched voice. Whoops, sorry, you don't look very professional to the general public just because of your voice. That's why a lot of people, men or women, tend to lower their voice when they're trying to appear more professional. Why is that? Because somehow, deeper voice embodied leadership potential, intelligence. Because somehow, deeper voice are more sophisticated, and again, attractiveness. Because somehow. Human loves deeper voice, and it's more calming. It's more captivating. And again, this is proved by university research and studies. Again, why is deeper voice more professional than higher voiced? Is it because higher pitch reminds people of women? And deeper voice reminds people of men, and society somehow pervertedly thinks that men are more desirable than women in the workplace. Well, we're not sure, but 
It could be an explanation. And does it mean that people want women to get rid of their feminine characteristics in the workplace? Let's move on to another point that's closely related to this controversy. Another thing that could potentially hold female back is, ironically, their kindness. Of course, I have to add the caveat that this is a generalization, but we did see a lot of studies that shows women tend to have higher empathy than men, and it's just somehow an inherent trait. So, let's just for. The purpose of discussion say that women tend to be more empathetic than men. Of course, nowadays we know that kindness and compassion are very important characteristics for leaders, but then there are still somehow people or some opinion that thinks compassion or kindness are not necessary for people to succeed in the workplace, and conversely. They think that it's holding female back. Of course, we usually think that people who care about their colleagues, care about their team members, and people who work for them are generally a good thing. You know, you want your boss to understand your concern and understand your situation when you're not doing very well because of family stuff or your personal. Things or illness or whatever, you know, it's good to have a compassionate boss. But somehow, we also think that we want our boss to be strong and in control. And because of these two words, we think that being empathetic are the opposite of these. We want our boss, our leaders, to be determined and cutthroat in situations that we have to fight against. Our competitors and being compassionate would only hold us back. Of course, that's a very bad word thinking, but we still somehow think that there's still a small proportion of people who thinks that being compassionate would damage a team and would damage the company. Therefore, being compassionate could be seen as a weakness for some people. Especially for industries that have cutthroat competition and require long hours or other less than favorable working arrangements, they would expect leaders to be unemotional and logical rather than compassionate. Another potential reason that women are seen as weak because of their compassion. And empathy is because kindness could be perceived as an attempt to receive validation from others, which means that when you're trying to be kind, people might think that you are being very vulnerable and you're trying to lick their boots essentially, because confident leaders don't have. To care about what others think, and they're so determined and driven that they don't have to care about other people's needs. They say, "So compassionate leaders are not leaders. They're not real people who can lead us to succeed. Because I want a person who is driven and determined that they don't care about what I think at all. Because female 
don't really fit into the stereotype, and they don't act like an emotionless leader. So they could be perceived as incapable or weak because of this positive trait. Apart from this, personal characteristics or character, there are also other situations that would help you or prevent you from climbing the corporate ladder or progressing in your career. Networking nowadays very important, right? And. Networking could also be a headache for female, at least from what I've observed. Okay, speaking of networking, what would you first think of? Usually, when we're talking about building relationships and networking, it's pro is very important for us to socialize, right? We need to constantly chat with people and build relationships to foster a positive mutual feelings and trust between colleagues, workers, or your clients. But I feel like socializing and networking could be less straightforward for women. If you want to start a conversation, what would you say? You talk about the weather, maybe, and. You can tell that to both men and women. But if you want to specifically network with a male colleague or a male client, can we talk about football? Can we talk about basketball? Can we talk about Formula One? Well, you can if you are a male colleague who happens to be interested in one of these many sports that most male watches since they are kids. But then. Unless you happen to have a very enthusiastic dad who forces you to watch sports with him, as girls, unless you are very interested in one of them, which is a very low probability. Anyways, what I mean is that women tend not to have one of these interests that correspond with men, and for male colleagues, they can have this bro talk together and network, and build a very Strong relationship because of sports, and it's also very great when they happen to be supporting the same team or the same player or the same person. But then, for females, that's not possible because there is no such equivalent in the females' world where females can talk about one of these things with their female colleagues, and that's kind of detrimental, you know, because after all, being in a workplace is all about building connections and relationships, and if you can't have the same Level of understanding of this sports or this hobby, as your male colleagues, you're probably disadvantaged, especially if your boss is a male who's interested in one of these things. So really, this kind of chit chatting and socializing, it's more of a man's game rather than a female's advantage. All the men, or a lot of men. Let's not generalize the interest of your male colleagues, but it's obviously a male's unfair advantage. A female's marital status. We all know how marital status. It's a headache for a lot of female workers. Obviously, when you're pregnant or when you have a family, there is this bias or subtle. Impression that female workers are going to shift their focus of life into their family, and less likely to devote and invest in their work, which is obviously not true. Okay, 
And even if it's true, it's because of societal expectations and the expectations of their partner to ask them to devote more of their time to their family. Well, sometimes it could be the case that the female genuinely wants to do that, but it could also be attributed to societal pressure. Okay, enough about married women. Let's talk about the single ladies. They could still be punished by societal expectations and social norm when they're not married. Ironically, one of the ways people have a negative perception towards single women is that they think their single status is due to a personal or personality flaws, which means that they could be too bossy, or they're not empathetic, or they're too pushy. All these negative characters that contribute to their status, which is irrelevant, right? And all these subtle perception could hinder a single woman's progression in their career. It's ironic, right? Because you want. Women to be more masculine in order to fit the social expectation of a worker or a leader, but then they're also too masculine to advance their career. And there's also another way that single women can be disadvantaged because of their status, which is when your colleagues think that you are not satisfied with your single status, when they think that you are still actively. Searching for your other half, and you would place more emphasis on your love life and your family life, which they think would be a potential problem to their job and their work. There's this perception that oh, because this female colleague is in the age of getting married, but she's still single. She's probably actively searching for a partner, and therefore she won't be focusing on the work so much. Or oh, because she is going to get married, even though she's single now. But since she's in her prime age of being pregnant and starting a family, so she should not be given too much. Emphasis, too much development, too much training at work, because she will not embrace these opportunities. So let's just focus on the male colleagues who has a more flexible physical capacity for career development. In other words, people are just simply less willing to invest in a female because of all these assumptions, despite of her marital status. And that concludes my six barriers or problems faced by female in the workplace. Sounds very grim and unfair, right? Yeah, it is. And I feel like this is the sort of aspect that's seldomly discussed in society because it's too subtle. And people usually focused on married women who has family, and they will say how much support they give to. These working moms, and it's enough, but it's not. There's so much more unsaid, undiscussed areas where people neglect, and there are a lot to be done in this area in order to progress and to help women thrive in their capacity and beyond 
the social expectation, of course. And so, if you're interested in learning more about different social issues, social problems, or phenomenons, please stay tuned for another episode, and I'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in.